Uh, if you have been uh, here at United Church over the past uh, few Sundays during the summer, you know I've been preaching a series of sermons on the great call stories uh, from the Old Testament. And today we turn to yet another one of those stories, uh, the story of God calling Ruth to be present uh, with her mother-in-law, Naomi. Let us pray. Wise and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you today and always. Amen. During the pandemic, each Friday, for those who are watching and participating in worship online, we've been including in our weekly e-news a copy of the Sunday Morning Bulletin. This past Friday, one of the members of our church clicked to open up the bulletin and saw the title of the sermon, How to Love Your Mother-in-Law. And after reviewing that title, he sent me a short email back saying, this might be a good Sunday to go out and play golf. <laughs> I bet we could all tell stories about our mother-in-law. One of the favorite stories that I have about uh, our mother-in-law was the day that she got lost. Emily and I were living in San Antonio, Texas at the time, and we took our mother-in-law to a great big outdoor water park in San Antonio in New Braunfels, Texas, uh, called Schlitterbahn. It's outside of Austin. And this water park is not like Wet n Wild in Orlando, but it is uh, outdoors and it is very large and it's in the Texas Hill Country and uh, the Travel Channel often does uh, episodes uh, about it. It's, it's rather famous. And we were there at the water park uh, one day and there was a number of different crowds and people going around and lo and behold, I lost uh, my mother-in-law. So as I was running around frantically trying to uh, find her, uh, one of the college students who was lifeguarding must have seen the panic look on my face and said, did you lose somebody? I said, well, yes, I did. And uh, I lost her. And he said, well, how old is your daughter? And I said, oh, no, it's not my daughter. It's my mother-in-law. And I will never forget this college student with this deep, thick Texas A&M accent he says to me, dude, bro, that's messed up. <laughs> but fortunately, after a while, Emily and I found uh, my mother-in-law. But I was left to wonder in that moment, you know, just how far would I be willing to go for my mother-in-law? As we walk into our scripture passage today, we do so wondering if Ruth asked that same question. Just how far would I be willing to go for my mother-in-law? For Ruth is in a situation that is far less humorous than mine, having not lost her mother-in-law at a water park, but really sincerely having to wonder and think about her mother-in-law's future. Walk back into the story with me. We're told that once upon a time, Naomi, who was married to Ruth, uh, had two sons, and their names were Balon and Chilion. And they were in uh, the land of uh, Bethlehem, and there was a great famine in the land. And in order to go find food, they moved to Moab, where they lived for 10 years. 
And then we're told that both Malin and Chilean, both of the couple's sons, uh, passed away. And then um, he passes away, Elimiak himself. And so we're left in our scripture passage today with really three widows. And uh, Naomi uh, looks at her daughter-in-law, you know, Orpah and Ruth, and says to both of them, uh, you all have lost your husbands, I've lost mine, it's now time for us to go in our separate directions. You all go back to where you're from. And Orpah, one of her daughter-in-law, says, okay, I'm going back to where I'm from. And uh, Naomi looks at Ruth and says, well, Ruth, you ought to go too, back to where you came from. I'll be okay going uh, where, where, where I need to go. Um, it, it's time for you to go back. And Ruth looks at her mother-in-law and violates one of the mother-in-law commandments. She talks back to her. She says uh, to Naomi, don't beg me to leave you. And then shares back with her a wonderful scripture, a word of friendship and love. Says, you know, where you will go, I will go. For your people are my people, your God is my God, and even when you go to the grave, I plan on going there with you. How far was Ruth willing to go for Naomi? She was willing to go the distance. You might say that Ruth loved her mother-in-law in a way that was quite unusual and quite above and beyond what any of us might expect. Very briefly, there are three words that I would use to describe Ruth's love for mother-in-law. The first word I would use to describe it was undeserved. For culturally speaking at that time, we know that it was not a requirement nor any kind of obligation for daughter-in-law to follow mother-in-law anywhere after husband passed. And Ruth's decision to love Naomi in this way was something that was completely undeserved by Naomi. For Naomi couldn't promise Ruth uh, even food, couldn't promise Ruth uh, anything more than just simply being together with her. And Ruth decided that she was going to love her mother-in-law in a way that was totally undeserved. A second word I would use to describe this kind of love? Very, very stubborn. For it is worth noting in this scripture that Pastor Kathy just read, how many times Naomi told Ruth not to do it. But Ruth talks back to Naomi and says, don't you beg me not to go with you. Uh, Joan Rivers was talking uh, one day about uh, how stubborn mother-in-laws can be. And Joan Rivers said that one day she said to her mother-in-law, well, come over to my house because, you know, my house is your house. At which point Joan Rivers' mother-in-law says, well, then get off my property. <laughs> mother-in-laws can be awfully stubborn. But the person in this scripture that is even more stubborn than mother-in-law is Ruth. Loves her in a stubborn kind of way. And then a third word I would use to describe Ruth's love for Naomi, lasting. Ruth says to her, not only am I going to go with you, Naomi, back to where you are from, but I am going to go with you, and I promise that even I will go with you all the way to the grave. I am going to go with you and love you in a way that lasts. Undeserving, stubborn, lasting. 
Indeed, Ruth's love for her mother-in-law is a moral exemplar for all of us as to how we should go about loving everyone in our lives, including, yes, our mother-in-law. But I'll tell you what the scholars say. There is more to Ruth's love of Naomi than just it being a moral exemplar of love for God's people to follow. For scholars over the century have argued that in Ruth's love for Naomi, God's people get a glimpse of God's love for them. In other words, God does not love you and I in just any old way. God loves you and I in a way that is quite Ruthian. I thought I would share with you that love this morning. And my hope is that in any one of these three points would be an encouragement or a blessing to you in your life. For we all deal with challenges right now, some pandemic related and others not. But no matter what it is that you brought with you to worship with this morning, or no matter what it is that you're dealing with or up against or challenged by, I hope that one or more of these points would indeed be a blessing and an encouragement to you. And the first is this, God loves you in a way that you do not deserve. Paul said in his letter to the church in Rome, Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. When did Christ die for us? When we reached perfection? No. When we conquered sin? No. When we got all, uh, perhaps, uh, over our doubt? No. When we decided that we were going to be all perfect? No. Christ died for us while we were yet still sinners, which means that God loves us in a way that is simply undeserved. God loves us simply for being. One of the reasons why I sense that is so encouraging to me in this moment is that I, as I navigate the pandemic, I often in my mind make believe that if I do certain things, God will love me back even more. You know, God, if I am strong enough during this, you will love me. Or God, if I can figure all this out, you will love me. Or God, if I can just hold it together, you will love me. Or God, if I can make all the right decisions during this, you will love me. Or God, if I can just perfectly walk my way through this challenge, you will love me. But this scripture of Ruth loving Naomi and the scriptures that teach us about God loving us in a way that is completely unmerited and completely undeserved is a reminder to me and to all of us that really and truly God doesn't love us because what we do for God. God loves us simply for being. Many years ago, I'm reminded of a, of a wonderful book that Rick Warren wrote, the uh, evangelical pastor out in California who uh, is the pastor of Saddleback Church. And he wrote a book entitled The Purpose of Christmas. And in that book, he was talking about salvation and all the things that we need to be saved from not just our sin, but the expectations of others and our worry. And one of the entities by which Rick Warren brings to the attention of the reader in that book is we oftentimes need to be saved from ourselves. For in this particular situation, we put an awful lot of pressure on ourselves to be very, very perfect, to make all the right decisions, to do all the right things, 
and to dig down deep enough and be strong enough. But really and truly, God's love doesn't work that way. God loves us and saves us simply for being. It's love that is completely unmerited and completely undeserved. Know that. And then second, God's love for us is awfully stubborn as well. Remember that scripture that Paul wrote to the church in Rome about that which separates us from the love of God in Christ? Absolutely nothing. Paul says, what separates us from the love of God in Christ? Will it be famine or nakedness or sword or any kind of hurt and pain? No, for nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ. It's as though there is a dimension about God's love that really and truly is quite stubborn. For the kind of love that we need from God at times is not just a one-time hug, but rather it's a very stubborn, persistent kind of love. And frankly, that is the love that I know I need right now in the midst of the unusual events in which we live. For I don't know about you, but in, in recent days I've been thinking about all of the ways this has become more of a marathon than a sprint. And I thought to myself, I remember the two weeks to stop the spread. And then I remember telling myself that once it was summertime, I would all be over because the heat would kill the virus. And then I remember telling myself that surely in just a, just a few months, the curve would flatten. And frankly, amidst all of it, what I've begun to believe is that it really will be a marathon and less of a sprint. And the kind of love that I need is not the sprint kind of love. It is a very stubborn kind of persistent love, a love that you know is willing to talk back to mother-in-law and say, yes, I love you today and today and today and today. Or let me put it another way. Uh, my family yesterday went to the beach where we had a very nice time. And for those of you who perhaps were at the beach yesterday or live on a condominium uh, at the beach, you know that something uh, very cute happened. Uh, yesterday, there was a gentleman who decided to propose uh, to his girlfriend via an airplane advertisement banner. You know, like the ones that get you to try to buy car insurance from GEICO. But instead of a car insurance ad on the banner, there was simply a banner that said, Mary Ellen, will you love me? And the airplane went all the way, oh, I'm sorry, will you marry me? And the airplane went all the way uh, down the beach, and everyone thought it was cute, and many people uh, started to clap. And then interestingly enough, the pilot uh, swerved out into the gulf and then pulled the advertisement back along the beach. And my son, who's in second grade, said, well, Dad, what happened? And I said, well, son, they're probably staying in the Marriott. There were some logistic problems. I'm sure they'll back out of the beach now. And, and, and the plane flew by with that Mary Ellen, uh, will you marry me? And then, lo and behold, the pilot swerves again out in the gulf and puts the proposal in front of everybody once more. And my son said, that, you know, Dad, what, what's, what's going on? This is the third time. And I said, uh, son, maybe she was in the bathroom. You know, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And the pilot goes back out into the gulf. And can you believe that he swerves back around for the fourth time, uh, Mary Ellen, will you love me? 
And my second grade son says, Dad, now I know what's going on. She probably said no all three times. And that pilot's just going to keep flying until she says yes. And I was, uh, I was considering that and what happened of this uh, interesting uh, marriage proposal that uh, included four different uh, loops of a pilot along the, the Gulf of Mexico. And I said, you know what that kind of love is like? That's a lot like Ruth's love for Naomi. It is stubborn love. That is the love of God. Not just any old love of I'm going to give you a hug one day and provide comfort. But rather, I'm going to love you in a stubborn kind of way that's willing to, you know, talk back to mother-in-law and to swoop four times in the Gulf of Mexico so that you are aware that you're loved each and every day as you move forward. God's love for us is undeserved. God's love for us is stubborn. And then third and finally, God's love for all of us in and amidst the challenges that we deal with is also very, very lasting. For part of what Ruth's commitment to Naomi is in this scripture is not just a commitment to return uh, with Naomi back to Naomi's uh, land, but it is a commitment to go there, yes, but to also go to the grave with Naomi. There's a lasting, uh, persistent quality to that love here that I think can also be ascribed to God. For those of you who uh, may be a widow in the congregation or know widows in uh, your life, you know that when it comes to widows uh, like Ruth, uh, widows have a remarkable ability to embody uh, for the rest of us the virtue of lasting persistence in their lives. For throughout the scripture in both Old Testament and New, uh, God seems to have a shine a light really on widows and their lives of faith. Uh, Jesus, you'll recall, uh, in the New Testament, in Luke's Gospel, told that parable about being persistent in prayer that included uh, a widow and an unjust judge. And I was speaking uh, about a year ago or so to a widow from our congregation, and, and I kind of learned back from her this virtue of lasting persistence. And she shared with me that when her husband was still alive, she had a light fixture in her home that was often very finicky and would break all the time, and it only took her husband 10 minutes uh, to fix it. But after her husband passed, the first time that light fixture uh, got finicky on her and broke, she said she really had to be persistent to figure it out. She said she knew that there was a broken part in the fixture, so she had to go online and see what broken part it was. And then after she found that broken part, she drove to Lowe's to go and find it, and it was raining, uh, cats and dogs in the parking lot, but she got it. Then she realized that she went to go uh, fix the light fixture that she couldn't reach all the way up there. So she waited for her air conditioning repairman to come two days later to bring the ladder down from the attic. And then finally, when she was able to get up on the ladder, she got to the light fixture but didn't quite know how to do it. So she called her daughter to get on the phone with her and give her a YouTube tutorial as to what would need to happen for her to fix the light bulb. The fixture. And then finally, after all of those steps and about 10 days had gone by, she was able to fix that light fixture in the way she wanted to fix it. 
And that is one of the faith virtues of widows that is in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. They have this kind of lasting persistence about them that is a virtue of faith. And they embody, really, the lasting persistence of God's love that is shown toward us. For God hasn't just promised to love us now, but rather to love us all the way to the grave and beyond. I'll close this morning with the final zinger, and it's rather interesting. For those of you who have ever been at a funeral, you know that one of the quote-unquote famous verses that is often read at a funeral are Jesus' words from John chapter 14. Remember those words? Well, interestingly enough, scholars point out that when Jesus shared those words to the disciples and to the crowds, it may very well have been that Jesus had Ruth's words to Naomi in mind. Hear now John 14. In my Father's house there are many rooms, and if it were not so, would I not have told you? And I will go and prepare a place for you in that place. And one day I am going to come back and take you to be with me. And then echoing Ruth, Jesus says, So that where I am, there you may be also. God loves us in a way that lasts to the grave and beyond, everlasting. Funny it may sound that God's love for us is like the love of Ruth toward her mother-in-law, but how true it is, undeserved, stubborn, lasting. Amen.